the family of a local teenager says she never would have left home without calling. It's praying for the best. I want my daughter home, man. And then she can't come home. I just want to know where she's at. These posters around the towns of Livermore and Jay beg anyone with information to come forward. Posters that Richard puts up every spring, never losing hope. An arrest in a nearly four-decade-old cold case. Thanks to cutting-edge DNA technology, the arrest happening exactly 39 years to the day. When Parabon Nanolabs used that sample to create 3D models of the suspected killer's face. It's heartbreaking. We miss her, and we're going to find her. We're going to keep looking until we do. It's like a never-ending nightmare. It doesn't end. It keeps returning and coming back. What if I told you Caribou Police found the body of a man inside of a burned-down home? What if I said upon further investigation, the police realized this is not a tragic accident, but a homicide? What if I told you, even though an extensive investigation has been done, police are no closer to solving his murder? What if I said his daughter believes she knows who killed him, and she thinks it may be family? Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 2, Justice for Kenneth Zernicki. Tonight, we speak to Kenneth's daughter, Jess Zernicki Holmes, and her fight for the truth and to bring those responsible to justice. Hey, Jess, how are you doing tonight? Good, how are you? Good, thank you for uh, taking my call. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad I had the time to do this. <laughs> so why don't you start off with uh, introducing yourself, then talk about your dad. All right, um, my name is Jessica Zernicki Holmes. Uh, my dad was Kenneth Zernicki, and he... Um, Oh, whew, I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> he, take your time. He was born on Loring Air Force Base on October 1st, 1956. And he had a brother growing up. I uh, lived with his mother. He was basically the man of the house. Um, he grew up really fast. He, he had to grow up really fast mm. and take care of his family. Um, I mean, he bought his house that he lived in until the day he died when he was 18. Oh, wow. So yeah, he, uh, for, he had some drive then. Yep, yep, for $7,000. If it's only that cheap nowadays, huh? Yeah, I saw the deed and I lost it. I was just in hysterics. Like, there's no way that could be that cheap. And <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, he, he worked really hard to get to where he was. Um, later in life, he actually found out that he had another brother that ended up living right down the road from him. They went to school together, they became friends, and then found out they were brothers. Oh my gosh. Yep. That's that's a unique situation, I think. It, it really is. Um, unfortunately, my grandmother did not feel like, or she didn't have the means to take care of three children. And she made the hard decision to put him up for adoption and somebody around the area happened to adopt him. So was she aware that he lived right down the street? I don't think that... No, no, uh, no. none of them knew until they actually... Um, Jeff, the middle one, he, um, he, picked him, he picked Joe up one night on the side of the road and said, hey, I live right down here. They started talking, started talking to the parents and found out, like, yeah, he was adopted and confirmation comes down the line and they found out he was there the whole time wow that's crazy 
is Joe is currently uh, in the military still. Mm -hmm. He, um, a lot of his stuff, he still like stays at home, but he goes on different like field missions. And I think his last tour was, I want to say five or six years ago, something like that. But um, Joe ended up being a really, really big part of my dad's life after they found out. That's really awesome. It's good. It's good they were able to find each other. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, to the point where like he would take, um, my dad would take his son like ice fishing with him. They'd go hunting, all that stuff together. Everything my dad loved to do. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about your dad. Um, I, I see he's a big sportsman. He he liked to hunt, fish. What else can so you tell much. me about him? He loved the outdoors so much that his email was fur trapper. Um, he was a very like skilled man too. I remember we would sit in his um he had like this meat room where he would keep all of his game, uh all of his fishing lures and all that. We would actually sit there, make our own fishing lures, we would make jewelry out of them too. Um, and he taught me how to it's gonna sound ridiculous because I've never even shot a bow. But he taught me how to use one. <laughs> But he, so, he was very proud of what he did and bringing in the game that he could. Yeah, so are you an only child? With him. With, With him. him. Um, yeah, I was his only kid. My mom has two boys, 10, 12 years older than me. Oh, okay. But they, um, my mom's not originally from Maine. And when my mom had met my dad, she had already had the boys and um, he basically took them in. So when they were together. Good. So he, he sounds like a good man. He wish was. He, he was a very good man. I wish I had a chance to have met him. Even now, I'm, I'm finding people, after all this time, by chance, meeting people by chance that knew him. And people down here, like, it's crazy to run into a girl my age whose mother grew up with him. Mm. And she just happened to recognize my last name. So do you, now this took place in Caribou. Do you live in Caribou? I do not. I live in the Augusta area. Is your dad's house still there? Yes. So it didn't completely burn down or anything? Uh, nope. Um, I did actually find out that it is not as badly damaged as we originally thought, as far as the fire goes. Um, everything is completely restructable. Like I, I can go and rebuild. So who has the uh, home now? Is that still in the family? It's mine. It's your your house? Yep. But is anyone living there now? Or is it no. un uninhabitable at the moment? Yeah, it, it is. Unfortunately, it is not um, suited to live in right now. And it, it's taken this time um, really just holding on to it, paying the property taxes to really decide what I wanted to do with it. Right. That's uh, understandable. Yeah, it's taken some time to kind of go through the motions of, I don't want to see anybody else living there, but I also can't be that far away from the rest of my family. And So, we've kind of given a heads up to the listeners as to what the story may be about, so why don't you go ahead and start the story, um, you know, tell us about what your dad did for work, maybe, who his friends were, type of thing, and then go into that night, if you, if you remember anything. Yeah, um... I know that that he drove for um, the Irving Potato Company up there. He drove the truck for them 
for years and years. He, he worked for Irving's for as long as I can remember. Um, so he would help them on the potato harvest, harvest every year. And he, he was a very routine person. He was up by six o'clock every morning and ready to go. <laughs> it just, I, I remember waking up and he'd be like, all right, let's go. We're going to Walmart. Like, it's 6 30 AM. What are you doing? And, and as a child, you appreciate that. I'm sure. Oh yeah. I mean, especially cause I, I would, you know, just get whatever you want. <laughs> he, he was that type of, you know, you want it, grab it. <laughs> so he, um, normally when he got home, he would get on his Facebook cause he was a very lively social butterfly home there. He loved interacting with people on Facebook and, um, ended up cooking his dinner. And at that point between six and 10, there's no like confirmation of what had happened. The timeline that we know is a pickup truck drove in to the shared driveway with my dad's property, the cemetery, and then the um, caretakers for the cemetery's property. Um, one person got out, which was a normal thing for people just to go visit him and stuff, so the, they, the neighbors didn't think anything of it. Now, was that um, a male or a female? They didn't know. They, they couldn't see. It was dark. So they, they had just noticed that somebody had gotten out of the passenger side, went in, um, they heard a few loud things, which isn't unheard of there, you know, like, it sounded like bangs, um, which is, again, in Caribou, it's not that unheard of. Um, but then they heard the glass shattering, and when the wife went to the window, she saw flames rolling out. And they called 911. Um, I got the confirmation around 7, 6.37 that night. The confirmation that, was that... Of just that the house was on fire, that was it. <clears throat> I got home from work, um, and, and it's funny because that day um, I, I was working and I had an early lunch, but about an hour before my lunch I got this like gut-wrenching, stomach-dropping feeling, and I didn't know what was wrong. And I took my break, I called my family members that I needed to, everybody was fine, and I had the thought of my Grammy up north, because she was, you know, she's getting up there. But I didn't have any um, solid way to contact her in that short amount of time. Shot a message out to a couple of my family members up north just to see, you know, if she was okay, and she was fine. And then I got home, got a couple messages saying that uh, my dad's house was on fire. And, like, that that was it. About an hour later, my cousin called me and said that they were... Somebody had saw them pulling a body bag out. Oh, my gosh. And at that point, I, I didn't want to believe it. But there was only one person. And, like, I, I guess I was just in a shock of, this isn't happening. Until the investigators called me. Now, what did what did they say to you? Um, he introduced himself. He said that the Caribou Police Department was no longer on the case, and this was the, that night, um, and that they would contact me with more information. And they didn't give me a call back until two days later. And that's when the autopsy report came back, and it confirmed it was a homicide. Now, did they say how he passed away? Nope, they have not. 
they've not confirmed nor denied anything with me. Um, I have had people give me what they think are tips, and I've been told, no, that's not that cause, I guess. Like, they can't say it's what it is, but they can say, no, it's not this. Okay, so it's kind of like a guessing game, then. Yeah, kind of. And, I mean, I, I had a, a person come up to me, um, a close family member, or a friend of the family, that told me a friend of his said that they knew what gun killed him and where it was and what caliber it was. Now, did you pass that on to the state police? Immediately. Is that who's investigating this, state police, or is it... It's the main state investigator, the detective team, based out of Holton. Now, who's the detective in charge of the case? Currently, um, it is Greg Roy. However, he did just get a position change, so they're switching over, but it's going to take a few months for him to get everything in order for the new guy. Now, have you asked them if they're willing to share any information with you as far as like letting you see the file, or they definitely won't Every do that? time I talk to them. And how often is Every that? Every time. Um, well, with Greg... It's been a lot more recently. Um, the first detective was uh, Stenson, and he was very... He never wanted to call me back, but Greg has been in touch with me the whole time. Um, he Every time, he's like, you know, I can't tell you these things, and I'm like, I, I know, but I have to ask. Right. Like, I, I have to have the confirmation of even if, like, I, I know how the process goes. There is circumstantial evidence, but there's no solid evidence. Now, did they ever tell you what they're doing on the old Washburn Road? They're looking in the swamp for something? Nope. Wait, no. That's a, supposedly they found clothing in the swamp. Oh. Okay. But I went through uh, your dad's Facebook page and was reading like every single post people posted. Um, and that was one oh, of the yeah. things that was brought up. More strength than I got. I can't do that. <laughs> um, there was somebody that lived like a mile down the road that said they were there for about five hours. Uh, but that was the November after his murder. Um, there was also another homicide. Who was that? Um, I want to say that one was a drug-related uh, homicide, as in, like, somebody gave someone a lethal amount and then just left him, hmm. if I recall correctly. But then I, I know that there was... I know that there's been a few things up there, like, with the Bobby Nightingale thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a couple drug-related incidences, one of them sending my cousin to jail. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no. Jacob Zernicke. I don't even know him, honestly. <laughs> I just know that he got caught up in that, and that was one of the, the um, right around the time that my family was being investigated. Your family was being investigated? Yep. Because of him, or? Well, it started with his brother, uh, my dad's brother, Jeff. Um, if you were to go back through all of his logs, uh, between 92 and 98, Nine, my dad put his house on lean eight different times for that man. Wow. To bail him out. Um, he was involved with some pretty rough people. Almost every single one of his children, except for one, only one of Jeff's children um, are addicts. 
and have served hard time for drug-related incidences. So what does Jeff's record look like? Is it um, all drug-related charges? Is there assault? Is there... There's, there's definitely some assault. Um, he went to prison for attempted murder back in, oh, I must have been like seven or eight, so early 2000s. Now who, or I'm sure you don't know the name, but what was the, the story behind that? Um, I, oh man, I, I guess I should have mentioned this trigger warning too, crap. Um, I don't think this was going to come up, I'm sorry. Uh, somebody had, it, it was somebody on the reservation that had raped his daughter. Oh. And he got drunk and went to go find the guy. Well, then I don't blame him. I don't either. I mean, there's a lot of plenty other, like, disgusting things that that man has done. But mm -hmm. that one, I feel, is justified. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, your but he dad, does have some assault. It sounds like everybody... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're, you're right. It was just, uh, yeah, he does have some assault on his record. <laughs> so your dad just seems like a down-to-earth, well-liked guy. Like, I'm reading through these posts, and everyone's telling him how much they miss him. Um how much he's done like people mentioned different things he's done for them and sounds like a really good guy so to your knowledge does your dad or did your dad have any enemies no no he was a very loved person and i fully believe that whatever happened to him was because of other people it was a retaliation i, I believe it was a retaliation of some sort now do you can you expand on that what what makes you think as a retaliation? Um, there was three, two to three pounds of weed found in my dad's house that was not his. And it was Jeff's that he was holding on to from the summer before. I don't know why he was holding on to it for him. I, I, I don't know. I think it was until he could distribute it, honestly. And, um... That wasn't taken, and his money wasn't taken. He still had cash on his person when they found him. So it wasn't any sort of robbery? Right. However, with all of, uh, because we did talk about him being a very av avid uh, huntsman, a fur trapper. <laughs> um, all of the guns in his house were found without bolts. Why would that be? I don't know. He doesn't. He didn't have a, um, a gun safe or anything. And back when I was a kid, he never had them in the house. So, like he, he would keep them away. To your knowledge, is that something that he would have done? No, that doesn't make any sense to me either. Like, it they're not like him because if they weren't found in the house, where would they have been? You said they weren't found in the house. They were not. To my knowledge, they're still oh, you unlocated. Talk about, you talk about the bolts themselves. I'm sorry. I, yes, I was, yeah, the bolts. Like on the mindset of the guns weren't there, but all of his all of his guns were there. Um, nothing was taken. Like it was, it was a really quick uh, execution and disposal of evidence. It was really quick that his house was set on fire. Um, if you were to go into the living room, you can see where the accelerant, you can see where it was started. So, come back to the eyewitness. What time was it they saw a pickup pulling the driveway? Um, it was 
right around six. And then the fire was called in at what time? Um, I believe within the half hour. I would have to go back and look at all my paperwork that's kind of packed away right now. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Um, it seems like that's not enough time to uh, take those bolts out of many guns that he probably had. Exactly. So I'm wondering if, um, again, because I had a really weird feeling beginning just, of that day. I feel like the decision was made then. I just had that same thought that someone had gone in earlier. Right. Or because, I mean, he was at work all day. Was there any anyone that saw another vehicle there at all during the day or no? Not that anyone's saying. If they have, they have, if anybody's, any neighbors or anybody's seen it, they haven't come forward. And there's, unfortunately, the cameras at sleepers don't get that area. Now, you had mentioned that a witness heard gunshots, possibly, before the fire? Yeah. Now, did they no. say how many shots were fired? or? No. No, I haven't talked to the neighbor. Every time I'm up there, they're not. This is what is being told to me from... Uh, th this is what was told to me when I went to go pick up my dad's belongings at the Caribou Police Department. So they told you a shot? This, they didn't confirm it, because autopsy, they haven't... As soon as that night the main state investigators got there, they took it over. But they were just telling me what the 911 call entailed. Do you have a copy of that 911 call? Transcripts? I do not. They is, won't give it to me. They won't so give anything to me. So that's not something they're willing to release? No. The The cop that I talked to that day, um, I have the paperwork from when I signed off and everything. I cannot remember his name, but he was very open about it. I'm like, sure that Caribou hasn't had a lot of uh, murder investigations to deal with. Um, Not any like this. Not any that go this long. I mean, like, I know that there was a few back in the day, um, in the 80s, a gentleman named Gary was involved. And um, something with the samurai sword. I would have to read up on the case again, um, but it is also speculated and rumored that my Uncle Jeff had something to do with that. How, what do you mean? Like, he so, was involved with it? Uh, yeah, because of his drug scene. So this kid... This poor kid didn't even know what he saw, and apparently he saw a drug deal. The two people that were doing the drug deal had saw that he was in the vicinity and lured him into the woods with an unidentified male, which was rumored to be my uncle. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and Brian Saunders. Let's talk about Brian Saunders. Sure. Yeah. Brian Saunders is, I believe, he is one of the main suspects. And I believe that because everybody that I have had come in contact with me about this, even after all this time, that's the name they say. That's the constant, that's the constant part that doesn't change. Now, do you want me to blur out his name? Or are you okay with talking about him? I'm okay with talking about him because I have a little bit more to this. <laughs> um, 
I was working as a vendor for Walmart and Sam's Club last year. And a woman came into the store freaking out. She was manic and again with these feelings something just kind of brought me like hey you need to go talk to her so I kind of like took her off to the side tried to figure out what was going on um, see if I could help her in any way and then she thanked me and she's like you know I, I don't have any friends down here I just moved down here from the county I don't know anybody and I was like oh like no doubt I'm you know my family's from the county too and she's like oh where are you from and I was like well my family's from Caribou and Presque Isle and She's like, oh, well, what's your name? And I got, like, really hesitant because when people hear Zernike up there, they kind of go running for the hills. And so I kind of told her, and she's like, oh, like, Jeff Zernike? And I was like, that's my uncle. And she's like, oh, you're Kenny's kid. Um, Jen Sock and Brian Saunders killed him. Now, what was the other name? Jen Sock. Jen Sock is my cousin. That is Jeff's daughter. Have you talked to them about this at all? Or have you tried to feel them out? Um... The people, the investigators. You yourself, have you talked to nope. your cousin about father's death and see what kind of reaction she has? Or uh, Nope, I actually haven't seen her. She hasn't been around. Um, when I talked to my family up there, they don't know where she's at either. She got pregnant and then kind of went into hiding. What do you think she's going to do when she hears this? I hope she says something. I really do, because the things that were told to me don't really make sense by a third party who doesn't know a part of our family, like, at all. Right. Um, and this, this woman actually avoided talking to the investigators for months because she was scared that even though Brian is in uh, prison right now, that he would do something. Why... Why are you pointing the finger at them? Like, what leads you to believe that they were involved? I mean, besides this woman saying it, did she tell um, you what happened or what the reason was? Yep. Um, which, and it, it kind of makes sense um, that Jen went to my dad's trying to get the weed off of him for Jeff. My dad said, no, I'm only going to give it to Jeff. And she got pissy. She was also on a bunch of other drugs, though. She, she was pretty heavy into heroin. And the girl that had come up to me was at an apartment with Brian and Jen the night that it happened. They left and came back within an hour, an hour and a half or so. Mm -hmm. And they were getting drunk. Um, I guess they were already intoxicated before they left. Came back and she had asked him where they went and he said we just went to go kill Ken he said that yeah they took a, a, she said that she couldn't remember if it was a shotgun or um, it, it was a heavy duty big gun is what she described it as you had said at one point they had, they had told you the caliber and the type of gun what was that they um well they <clears throat> I'm sorry I, I got informed of what could have been like a tip and it was a 22 caliber pistol or whatever and I told that to him they're like well I can confirm that it's not a 22 caliber and but that, that kind that, of tells you was, right there <laughs> right right and, and that and that also tells me that it's not going to be a small caliber right if he was shot it was going to be a larger type of machinery like it <sighs> these things they, they add up but there's just no solid evidence 
Now, do you know if they ever gave lie detector tests to either one of those two? I or don't have think they, so. Have they even interviewed him? Um, I believe that they talked to Brian once in the beginning, but there was no solid evidence of anything. So all they did was question him. Now, what kind of vehicle did Brian or or uh, Jen? Florida, Jen? I'm what not kind of sure. I honestly did not know that either of them did have a vehicle of their own. Well, and... you said they left the party that night. Did anyone tell you what kind of vehicle they left in? Nope. This woman had literally just spouted off this information to me within three minutes, and then she was gone. Do you know what her name was? Yeah, her name was Allie. Are you still in touch with her? Uh, nope. She actually... Um, I, I had to make a Facebook post to try to find out where she was because she was avoiding the police for so long. So she, she started... She blocked me on everything. Um, she did not want to talk to me. She finally did. But only after I had made it go viral. Wow. And then she could just completely stop talking to me. She did give me a ring. And I know that sounds really weird. Really weird that she gave it to me. And two, really weird that I accepted it. But I only accepted it to possibly keep that as a form of evidence later in case somebody like lost a ring. All right. And that kind of like really sketched me out. I don't know whose that is. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why she felt the need to give that to me. What kind of ring is it? Is it like a female's ring or? Yeah, it's a heart. Um, like the sterling silver, or whatever. It's a heart, and then has a few of like the cubic zirconiums going around the side. But it's um, it was just really strange the way that she gave me all of that information, gave me an item. And then pieced. Yeah, that is weird. For somebody that she didn't even like know, to me that felt like an admission. And then after confirming, she actually did do the um, the statement with the detectives. So yeah. everything she told me, she did tell the detectives. All right, but you never saw that either, right? No, that was recently. That was at the beginning of June. Oh wow! So that's mm-hmm. so a lot of times in these types of cases is. Um, we as humans, we think the police are going to take care of it and they're going to solve these things fairly quickly. So we really don't do much about it. And then that's why there's so many cold cases. The families finally, after five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, they finally have had enough and they just want answers. They start, you know, bring it out to media to try to get answers and try to get more people involved. It's too bad that we have to do that. You know, it's, it is, it's almost like I would tell anyone if if you think there's a murder or, or if there is a murder, you to hit the media instantly. Like, don't wait. Don't, because that's when the tips will come in is when it's still fresh, not years down the road. Right. Well, recently what I've been, um, what, what Greg, the detective, has told me is um, he did a phone interview with somebody recently on some other leads. He wasn't able to tell me what they were. But they're still um, interviewing people, and the fact that <sighs> okay, the constant names and constant um, theories are leading them in the right direction. So the evidence that they have currently, they're going to the um, is it the, the district attorney or the attorney general? And or whoever that is to get um, confirmed for more investigation, because they did that last July, 
or in 2018. So your theory is they went there that night to get the marijuana or the drugs, whatever. Mm-hmm. She got pissed because he wouldn't give them to her, so she killed him, torched the house to, I guess, upcover the evidence, and left. Yep. That's my theory. There's a bunch of others out there. Um, I know the ones that have been excluded from the, that list, which has been a, a big topic of persons is the Caparatos. And a lot of people still believe that the Caparatos did it. But they were very quickly eliminated. Now, is that a bike gang? Caparatos is a, that's a last name. Um, it <laughs> is, I'm sorry, the Caparatos are um, my Grammy's sister. So, my Grammy, when she got married, her last name changed to Zernike, and then her sisters ended up changing to Caparata. Gotcha. So they're just like distant cousins. And my dad was still close with them, you know, because they all grew up on the res. But they were very, very quickly eliminated as suspects. They just had a bad past. You know, they, they were into the drugs. Um, little Tony ended up passing away from that. And quite a few other members of that family has since then. But they, every single one of them... We're trying to figure out answers too. Is there anything else you've heard for rumors or? Um. No, no, just basically very um, personal stuff. It didn't have anything to do with him as a person. He just happened to be how do I how do I put this? Um, collateral damage. And to this day, I, I still fully believe that it was some sort of message. Message to who, though? To his brother? Probably. If not just him, then the lot of them that keep distributing these horrid things. Drugs. Mm-hmm. As, I mean, they are responsible for a lot of the overdoses. It's a really frustrating situation, and a lot of a lot of the times people don't take him seriously when they do talk because of that. Like with Allie, she was a recovering addict who ended up relapsing. So she was also afraid that they weren't going to take her seriously. Right. So clearly she had no idea what she's talking about in their opinion. Right. And this, mm. well, I, that's what she thought. Um, but the, the amount of time that she had been sober for kind of like, cancels out that her not knowing what was going on if that makes sense mm-hmm. like she was in a good part of her recovery unfortunately she has had a really bad past her son at seven passed away wow he, he had a very rough life and i'm not justifying the drug use whatsoever but i do understand why she relapsed right uh, gosh. She, she was in a she was in a good place to recall those things she was in a, a mentally capable place to make a statement have I don't you know if that um, makes sense, but <laughs> when's the last time you talked to Detective Boy? Mm-hmm. Let's see, it was two last Tuesday. Twenty ninth. It was my daughter's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you mention to him that you're gonna you're you're gonna come out of this podcast and talk about the case at all? Yep, um it was actually one of the reasons that I had him call me was I wanted to because I, I did have a woman Introduce me, uh, uh, introduce herself from the Fox 22 mm-hmm. 
news and she wanted to do the story which ran on the first so yeah she and i i just kind of wanted to talk to him because i was contacted by um portland a few, um last october when Brian got arrested because they thought it was for my dad's murder oh yeah that would make so, sense huh yeah, so I was kind of skeptical about talking to them. I wanted to run it by him first and then this. And basically, he just told me the same thing. You know, it's a good idea to get it out there. You don't know anything that's not public information. So <laughs> can't really get in trouble for anything that I don't know. Right. And like, I, I had asked him, like, can I you know, talk about what I think happened? And he's like, well, how else are you going to get it out there? So if you could say something to whoever it was that, that killed your father, what would you say? I would ask him why. Why did they choose him? And I know it's really selfish to say that because if it wasn't him, who would have been somebody else? But I just want to know why. And just to have the person have the common, just human respect to own up to what you did. You know, we all make mistakes, and as adults, we should learn how to own up to those. And even if it's something this bad, like, your conscience isn't going to rest, your soul isn't going to rest unless you confess these things and make peace with that. Right. Now, it's one thing if you're the gutless bastard that actually did it, to not want to say anything, but plenty of other people know the truth. It's a town of 7,600 people. And he lived right next to a four-lane um, intersection. That that road was used for commute. And and I know they did a uh, traffic informational traffic stop, right? Yep. The, the following next night. Friday. Yeah. I, I, be I believe. It, yeah. Well, yeah, because it was Thursday, so yeah, the next night. Did um, anything yep. come out of that that you know of? No. Nothing. Which is unreal, because those people travel every day on that road. And I don't know if it's... Maybe it is the tunnel vision, you know? Have you ever been driving and then suddenly you're at your destination? <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah, that happens yeah. to me a lot. Yeah, like, who gave me my license? <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, I go through the tunnel vision, too. So it's possible that, you know, it wasn't seen. That it's just... It's slim. I know some people know, and I would just like them to say something. Even if it's an anonymous tip, just call it in. Absolutely. Even if you're not even sure that you know something important, now call it in. It could be leading off another tip they have. You never know. Well, I admire you and your, your courage. Um, I know this is really hard for you to talk about. I really appreciate you talking to me tonight about it. I really appreciate you doing this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <I'm> sorry. It's... <laughs> you know, and... it's been a hard week. <laughs> yeah, and what's hard for me is the fact that you know you lost your dad at such a young age. How old were you at the time? Twenty-one. You're you're just twenty-one, and then now he never got to meet his granddaughter. You're his yeah. his only child. And I would love for him just to see how much like me she is. I was showing her baby photos of me when I was right around her age, and she would grab it and go, me. And we, no, honey, that's mama. And she'd look at me all offended and point me. 
Oh, that's cute. Yeah, now she's gotten to um, uh, Mama Baby. <laughs> she she knows that pictures of me when I was little. Now it's Mama Baby. She sees pictures of my dad. That's Mama Dad. <laughs> I'm I'm sure he knows exactly all about her. You know, he's watching over you both. He is. Um, when when she was born, um, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but unlike anything else I've said tonight, isn't crazy. <laughs> um, when she was born, she actually uh, immediately she I saw a birthmark on the right side of her head, the right like near her ear, and it just I don't know. It gave it gave me a weird feeling. Maybe like my dad was a little bit there. Thank you so much, and like I said, I, I truly admire you, and um, I'm sure your dad would be proud of you for what you do and try to stand up and get answers for him. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate this. All right, Jess, you have a good night. You too. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. If you have any information about this case, please contact the Maine State Police at 1-800-924-2261 or email us at locatingthelostones at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening. The search for five-year-old Taylor, Taylor Williams led investigators to Alabama this week. So we have some breaking news from Florida. An arrest has been made. Tonight, after years of agony, a glimmer of hope for the family. Investigators spent hours searching through this house off Pennsylvania Avenue. What could be a major development in the search for missing Alabama teenager. Tonight, a stunning twist in the search for Taylor. Somebody out there knows something. They want to lay him to rest their way, not by somebody else's way.